It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. And for the second time this week, a crossover edition of Locked On Grizzlies with Locked On Warriors and their wonderful host, Wes Goldberg. Wes, how are you doing tonight, sir? Oh, I am good. How are you? Cannot complain. I thank you for coming on, taking the time to join me, and thank you for asking. Doing quite well. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Wes uh, uh, wanted to, this first time, me and Wes have had the opportunity to speak with each other, but obviously it's a great occasion to do Mm -hmm. just that. Um, we've got tonight's playing game versus the Warriors and the Grizzlies, a game uh, that uh, sees two teams in different parts of the competitive timeline. A uh, veteran-led team like the Warriors, obviously, with two future Hall of Famers, all-time greats, whatever you want to call them. And then, of course, the Grizzlies, an up-and-coming team. But, you know, how have they gotten here is a big question. And, and Wes, I'll start, you know, let you start it off. You're in the play-in game to have the chance to go to the playoffs and play the Utah Jazz as the eighth seed. If someone were to tell you that back in December, how would that make you feel? What are your thoughts on kind of how the season has gone for the Warriors? That's that's a funny question because if you would have said that the Warriors would have been on the fringe of the playoffs in this play-in tournament thing, I said, yeah, that sounds about right. You know, Clay Thompson goes down with an Achilles injury in November. You don't really know what to make of Steph Curry. Remember, he was out for most of last year with a broken right hand. People tend to forget that. What he's doing is a season off of an injury uh, to his shooting hand, nonetheless. Um, and uh, and we didn't really know much about the depth, right? Like, they went out and their big free agent signings were Brad Wanamaker and Kent Bazemore. And Brad Wanamaker got traded by the deadline. So, uh, yeah, I think fringe of the playoffs coming off of a 15-50 and 50 season sounded about right. But then the the manner in which it happened... I did not anticipate, right? Like the ups and downs that this team has had, the fact that it was several games below 500 back in February and then, you know, roared to a 15 and five finish to end the regular season and Steph Curry winning the scoring title, getting placed on MVP ballots. Like that is not the thing that I anticipated. That is, that is perhaps is exactly what surprised me about this year. So the Warriors ended up with a record that I had, I had expected. But like the manner in which they did it, the ups and downs of the season, the whole James Wiseman experiment, everything that happened, that stuff I did not anticipate. So that part's been surprising. Yeah, I had a, one of uh, the the uh, more notable local beat writers uh, by the name of Jeff Calkins on the show um, uh, uh, earlier this week, and he put it a great way. You know, if you would have told me back in December when it came to the Grizzlies that the, they would be in this position tonight – I'd be ecstatic. That's exactly where we needed to be. We're kind of playing this year with house money. We get in the lottery, great. We get in the playoffs, great. But the manner in which they've done it has been completely different. Creating an identity through defense. Their depth has been what's carried them. Jonas Valanciunas and Dylan Brooks taking steps forward in their careers at the at the most opportune time. That wouldn't have been the reasons that I thought. And it's kind of crazy. So I agree with you in this aspect that, yeah, it makes sense as to where we are, but the manner in which we've gotten here 
is is a bit crazy. Like it, it's just it, it's awesome to see, but it's also like wow, it's unexpected. But that's the NBA for you. I think I'll ask though, Wes, is this well, is that I, go one, ahead. one thing there though? Like first of all, uh, the Grizzlies are one of my league past teams, so I've watched quite a bit of them. They've got a lot of guys that I like. I think Dylan Brooks is an absolute tank of a player. Uh, that dude, I remember seeing him in person. Uh, so. At Memphis games, beat writers get to sit courtside, right? And so it's one of the rare arenas. I think it's only one of three or four arenas in the league where you get to sit courtside. And it stood out to me how just barrel-chested Dylan Brooks is. And ever since then, I've been a Dylan Brooks fan. I actually liked him at Oregon quite a bit too. But um, that dude is a real player. And the way that he bothered Steph on Sunday and will probably bother him again on Friday uh, is notable. Like that's a dude that's going to make all – all NBA defensive teams in his career, probably multiple times, right? And, and deservedly so. Um, the other part about the Grizzlies that I love watching is their uniforms, which is not, you know, I'm not coming in with a fresh take here, but I just had to shout them out. They're unbelievable. When they do that with the court design, those old Vancouver Grizzlies stuff, that that's so awesome. And I don't know why they don't just adopt it full time, but, you know, whatever. Uh, it's a good problem to have. And then Taylor Jenkins, the coaching job that he's done. Again, I know I'm not coming in with a fresh take with anything. This is something that I'm sure you've talked about on your podcast several times, but I've been so impressed just from a, you know an outside perspective what he's been able to do to give this team an identity that you look at teams like New Orleans, for example, like that team that the Grizzlies were sort of jockeying for position with last year in the standings and a little bit this year in the standings, even though New Orleans fell off at the end. Uh, as far as star power, yeah, Memphis has got John Morant. New Orleans has Zion Williamson. Those two guys will always sort of be linked a little bit because of their draft position, but Taylor Jenkins has put the Grizzlies on such a better path than I think Stan Van Gundy has done with the Pelicans. Like, that should not be overlooked. When we kind of look back, I don't know, a decade from now on the careers that Zion and John Morant are having, the fact that Morant found a stable environment and some and, and relative success early on in a way that Zion hasn't had is it, it might end up mattering. Agree completely. And that's the thing. Taylor Jenkins, I think, has answered this season. I think he's at least earned the right to say, I'm a coach that can lead this team through the rebuild, but also into being a sustainable winner. On your side of things, it is so awesome to see. Like, it's just amazing to watch Steph Curry any time that you want to. And the fact that he missed last year and has come back this year and possibly had one of his three best seasons is amazing. But also, Draymond has continued. I know the shot probably is not where – I don't know if it ever gets back to where it once was. The playmaking and defense are still there. But Andrew Wiggins has been a revelation this year. And just from a personal perspective, Wes, I probably – had a more negative opinion than most on Wiggins just because I I was not that impressed with him throughout most of his career. I just, I, for such a naturally gifted athlete, I just, I've not been a fan of how his career has gone. You know, who am I to say that, you know, whatever. But if there's a player in this league who I've become, who I have become more positive on than anybody, it's Andrew Wiggins. We're talking about a true two-way player here who has likely will have all NBA defensive team potential, him, JTA, Jordan Poole, there's been more development for this Wiz- or Warriors team than many may think. Yeah, and by the way, your criticism of Andrew Wiggins is totally fair. I mean, he floated through games. He absolutely did not take advantage of his crazy athleticism. He gave up on defense like by the midway point of almost every season in Minnesota. I don't – I'm not – I'm not one to try to, you know, psychoanalyze and figure out why it is. I just know that it happened, right? Like we saw it for for five and a half years. 
And then he gets traded to the Warriors. And for whatever reason, again, not going to psychoanalyze, but it happened. He started caring about defense. And, you know, I, I did have a conversation with him uh, right after, like within a month of him getting traded. I had a really long talk with him. And uh, he mentioned how he just was, in so many words, I'll paraphrase here, but just sick of the entire situation that was happening in Minnesota. Just like the lack of continuity, lack of direction organizationally, uh, the constant hiring and firing of coaches the lack of winning atmosphere and culture and attitude. And I think he was very much looking forward to uh, being in a, in a fresh situation and in a situation that was like the one with Golden State uh, that had championship experience and guys who he could follow because this is not a guy who wants the spotlight. This is not a guy who wants the headlines written about him. You know, he's somehow thread this needle of getting paid like a max player and not having any of the responsibilities of a max player. So, um, you know, his his career has completely turned around. And I think you and, and many people are looking at him a little bit differently now. Certainly has earned that. He certainly has earned the right to deserve us to look at him in a different light with how he's played. Speaking of looking at it in a different light, Steve Kerr this year. Thank you so much for your kind words about uh, Taylor Jenkins. I agree completely. He is certainly, I think, going to have a second straight year where he's a top 10 coach. Definitely has impressed I think Steve Kerr has impressed in his own way this year as well. I've seen I've seen a few other places. You, I think you may have mentioned on your podcast as well from a previous time I listened. Steve Kerr has never really ran into a situation where he clearly had to develop talent. Last right. year, perhaps, but this year with the development of these players, I think it's still, I think that you certainly can see Steve Kerr in a new light to where it's going to take more coaching value for him this time around, if the Warriors want to get back to championship level as far as their play, I think that he certainly has taken a step forward as far as being a developmental coach, but also creating an atmosphere where players want to play, even though the Warriors aren't winning like they used to. He, he, the job that he had to do this year was not the job that he had, he had gotten hired to do back in 2014, right? In 2014, he was hired to shepherd a group that had relative success in the playoffs, had a ton of top-end uh, talent that was blossoming right in front of our eyes, and and figure out a way to 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 kind of make them click in a way that Mark Jackson couldn't, uh, and, and bring some success that Mark Jackson couldn't get. And, and he did that, obviously. Uh, this is a different situation, right? Like, he still has Steph Curry and that star power, but you've got Draymond Green, and as well as he's played, he's certainly taken a step back athletically or whatever we want to say. Uh, with him, and, and I think that one shooting year was an anomaly and not something that he'll ever return to. Uh, Clay Thompson's not playing. Kevin Durant left. Andre Iguodala left. Sean Livingston left. Like all of this great basketball IQ and experience that he stepped into is not right. Is not there right now outside of his top two players, and he has had to develop guys. And I guess that kind of leads us into talking about this game on Friday because you know you know what you're going to get from Steph almost every night. It, it's you know you can make things difficult, but you're pretty much sure at this point that he's going to score 35 points um and you know what you're going to get from Draymond most every night but it's what these other guys do that that that's around them uh that has really defined whether or not they're successful or not and and we talked about Wiggins briefly but uh what he has done over the last 10 to 20 games of the regular season averaging 20 points per game while playing you know all NBA level defense uh was a huge factor in the Warriors' success, and then getting contributions from Jordan Poole and Juan Descano-Anderson defensively, and all these things—that's what's really put all. You know, Steph Curry gets all the headlines, and rightly so because of the insane scoring numbers. But you know, he was putting up insane scoring numbers earlier in the year, and the Warriors were losing a bunch of games, right? 
Like now that he's putting up insane scoring numbers and he's getting just enough help from his supporting cast. And when he does, the Warriors tend to win. And when he doesn't, the Warriors tend to lose. And it's really just that simple. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Go to your Android or iOS app store, download the Locker Room app, and create a free profile and join the chat rooms. And every Thursday night at 8, you will find Let's Talk Grizzlies, the Locked On Grizzlies weekly show that we do on the Locker Room app. The Locker Room app, changing the way we talk about sports. Don't let the stress of everyday life weigh on your body. Whether you're an elite athlete or someone like me just trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun can help. Theragun is the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically collaborated combo of depth, power, and speed. And it's as quiet as an electronic as an electric toothbrush. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature per- percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out, an injury, or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. The OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out, and the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sports teams like Real Madrid and elite athletes like Paul George, DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, hundreds of thousands of customers, and even me and my family. Try Theragun for 30 days starting at only $199. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, theragun.com slash locked on. Yeah, I agree. And and something that I've said since Sunday is that if you look at the six best players in that game on Sunday – it was, in my opinion, Steph, Draymond, Andrew, and Jordan Poole with Dylan Brooks and Jonas Valanciunas in whatever mm-hmm. form or fashion you want to order them. The problem is, is that the best player for the Grizzlies on offense was Jonas Valanciunas. Obviously, for the Warriors, it was Steph Curry. If that's how tonight's game is going to wind up going on or Friday's game is going to go on, that's advantage all day, the, the Warriors, because of how Steph's play obviously correlates with winning on this stage. The Grizzlies have to flip the script, and they've got to do it by figuring out how to stop Wiggins and Poole. Poole, 25, 26, 15 points in the three games they played him. Wiggins had a 40 spot when y'all beat us without Steph in Memphis. Obviously, was the second-best offensive player on the uh, Warriors on Sunday. We have to flip the script. Of the six best players in this elimination game, the Grizzlies have to have four of the six, in my opinion, to win this game. And I think John Morant certainly has to be one of them. And that's what I'll ask you. We talked about it earlier on Locked On Warriors, but overall, we saw how the Warriors attack or didn't really attack Jaw, how they defensed him, and it worked. How confident are you that that process or that concept will work a second time in a game where we all know it's going to come down to Jaw at some point to make a difference for the Grizzlies? Well, first of all, I'm a. I, I tend to come away impressed with John Morant, and in Sunday's game, I wasn't. Uh, seven for 21 in that game, one for six from three-point range. He took just two free throws in the game for 16 points. And then on Wednesday, he followed that up with another dud, I thought, against San Antonio, eight for 20, two for five from three-point range, got to the line a little bit more. Um, but that over those two games, 37% shooting combined in those two games significantly lower than his season average of 45% overall. So I think what we'll see here is some sort of uh, rise to the mean 
by John Morant. I would bet that a guy of his caliber doesn't shoot like that for three games in a row, three times in a week, right? I think that's fair. Uh, but as far as how the Warriors will defend him, they'll wait and see, right? They'll see like, hey, you know, you went one for six from beyond the arc the last time we played you. Uh, we'll give you a couple of shots and see if you're hitting them. And if it, if it turns out maybe you are sort of rising back to your your season average, then we'll start defending you a little bit more and start putting less uh, bodies in the paint. But you're absolutely right that that is sort of the key to Memphis in this game. Because if if John Rant is just a, is more respectable from um, just the three-point arc where, you know, you don't want to sit back and just wait for him to drive, then all of a sudden that loosens things up for Jonas Valanciunas in the paint and for guys like Kyle Anderson to get into his like little mid-range flow that he gets into and, and Dylan Brooks to start getting to the basket. All of a sudden, you know, these rebounds start to be a little bit longer and they get out in transition, which is where Memphis thrives. All these things, it just sort of all unlocks when John ja Morant is shooting and shooting well from, you know, mid-range extended. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, Sunday, he wasn't doing that. And Wednesday in San Antonio, he wasn't doing that despite them winning. Um, but I tend to think that he'll bounce back Friday. I mean, has he been other, a bounce backer? Like, has he been a guy who? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he he definitely has been, especially when he faces a team for the second time in a while, and he's risen to the occasion in these big games. Like, you now I can't keep up with the na- number now, but Wes coming into March of this season, he had like two thirty-two po- two thirty-point games in his career in the final thirty games of the season. I think he had seven or eight. So he steps up wow. in these big games, and he knows he knows that this moment is going to come down to him. He wants it to come down to him. It's great seeing what Dylan and Jonas are doing. Dylan on defense, Jonas on offense. That's great, but that's not going to win you this game. You've got to have somebody else step up to support Jonas, and you're going to have the shooting. And I think that that is something that's going to have to come down to job. But another thing I want to get your perspective on, Wes, is that the Grizzlies are going to have to shoot the three well in this game to have a chance. They're just going to have to. They're not going to win this game being at a 15-3 for the Warriors, 6-3 for the Grizzlies deficit like it was on Sunday. But an underrated factor of this Warriors team is their three-point defense. How confident are you that that defense is going to show up once again, even if the Grizzlies were to throw different looks at the Warriors tomorrow night than they did on Sunday? Uh, The Warriors have done a really good job all season of contesting threes. Um, That's basically their rule is contest threes and take as many threes as possible, right? Uh, So I think the defense will be there. I mean, look, the biggest thing if you're the Warriors that you have to worry about is how much physical fatigue sets in after what was a friggin' brutal game against the Lakers. I mean, sure, LeBron hits a game-winning three over you with 58 seconds left, and and you have to somehow rebound emotionally from that. And that's going to be a tough thing in and of itself. But physically, after the Grizzlies played them hard on Sunday, right, and everything that Dylan Brooks did to Steph, and, and Steph had to work for every single one of his points on Sunday, and Steph had to do that again on, on Wednesday. Um, and defensively, like, Andrew Wiggins had to – guard LeBron James all night, right? Like Kent Bazemore was chasing guys around. Uh, Kevon Looney and Draymond Green were dealing with Anthony Davis and, you know, Montrez Harrell and Andre Drummond all night. Like this, that was a brutal game physically for this team. And the Warriors will want to contest as much as they can, but how tired are their legs going to be? How emotionally invested is this team going to be after a letdown like they had on Wednesday night? Uh, That's the only thing that could get away from the Warriors in this game. And, and it, you know, you mentioned the three-point shooting there. I think, you know, the story of this game 
you know, there's a lot, both of these teams are so different that it's sort of interesting where, you know, it's which one of these teams can sort of establish their tone and pace of the game. And yeah, I think shooting, you know, there's a 27 point different differential from three, the three point line on Sunday's game based on how many more uh, threes the Warriors made than the Grizzlies. But, uh, and so that was a huge, that was a wide margin that the Warriors could repeat, but the rebounding margin wasn't nearly as, as big as I think Memphis wanted it, right? Like the Grizzlies only out, out rebounded or the Warriors, I'm sorry, out rebounded the Grizzlies 46 to 39. They got 13 rebounds from their guards in that game. Uh, The Grizzlies are going to want that margin to be a lot more in their favor. Right. And so I think those two margins, that's what we should be looking at. The three-point margin and in, 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 in a possible advantage to the Golden State Warriors and the rebounding margin in possible advantage to Memphis. Yes, and if the Grizzlies are to close those margins tomorrow night, I think that it comes back to our point. Jaws hitting outside shots. He's playing a good offensive game. And another big key from Sunday that stands out, Wes, was that the energy factor that is so much more important to Memphis and a lot of teams because that's where this roster for the Grizzlies gets their advantage. The Warriors were the better, were the more energetic team. You can't allow that to happen with Memphis being, in all honesty, the less talented team mm-hmm. because they don't have Steph and others. So, but another thing I'll say about our defense, and I mentioned it to you in a few other places as well. I think that we've also got to find an alternate to manage Steph for a little bit besides Dylan so we can keep Dylan in the game. And that comes down to DeAnthony Melton and Desmond Bain. You know, against uh, uh, Dylan on Sunday, uh, Steph was 4 of 10. Against Desmond Bain as the primary defender, he was 2 of 6. And DeAnthony Mm -hmm. Melton's ability to create turnovers. Desmond Bain, DeAnthony Melton have to step up in this game defensively to help guard Steph and create turnovers, let Dylan rotate so he's not fouling as much. But also they have to shoot the three as well. I think that combination is the X factor for the Grizzlies. Is there something that stands out to you? Is it Jordan Poole? Or maybe is it something that we're not really thinking of that could be the X factor for the Warriors? Well, um, well, I think it's, it could be Jordan who is somebody else, right? Somebody else outside of Steph needs to step up. Maybe it's Jordan Poole, who didn't have a great game against the Lakers, it did, like you, you you mentioned the numbers there, has, has performed well against Memphis uh, historically. Jordan Poole sounds like a good a good X factor, especially if you're able to uh, – Steph played 41 minutes on Wednesday. I don't know that you're and, – and, you know, he tends to check back in normally at the midway point of the second and fourth quarters. Steve Kerr, you know, subbed him back in way early, especially in that fourth quarter. He brought him back in with about 10 minutes left in the game, which is, you know, knocking off four minutes of rest that Steph would normally get. Uh, I do wonder if Steph's going to be ready to to handle that, to to shoulder that load again, or if they turn to Jordan Poole a little bit more to give him a bit more of a reprieve in the middle parts of the game. So uh, we'll see. But it, it's sort of setting up for Jordan Poole. One thing I want to ask you about, their, uh, Memphis' defense, I think that's a really key point. Their strategy on Sunday was clearly, hey, Dylan Brooks is going to hound Steph Curry, and that's going to be our guy. And that's been a strategy that a lot of teams have approached the Warriors with and taken with Steph. Uh, and it doesn't tend to work, you know. It, it, you know, Steph will be bothered for two or three game, two or three quarters, and then he'll figure it out. He'll kind of snap out of it. Do you, th- for, do you think Taylor Jenkins will stick with that, or do you think he'll look at what the Lakers did on Wednesday with a lot of hard hedging and a lot of double teaming up across half court? Do you think he'll go maybe more of that route? The NHL playoffs have fully begun, and the NBA playoffs are right around the corner. And when it comes to wagering and betting on sports, this is an exciting time of year. And if that's what makes your enjoyment and being a fan 
part of what makes your overall sports experience awesome. I've got the one place that has you covered, and that's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to get bet on all your sports actions. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device and put in the promo code Locked On to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. Visit BetOnline.ag today. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on all the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast or the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I can certainly see it. I can see him change it up. Because let's put it this way. At the end of the day, not only has it not worked when you have a primary defender guarding Steph 60 to 70% of the time, but it cost the Grizzlies their best chance of winning the game and that Dylan Brooks was the offensive energy source that got us back in that game on Sunday, but he fouled out because of how hard he had to work against Steph. Right. So that that's why I mentioned the rotations. Let Dylan maybe go guard Wiggins a bit and trust somebody else with Steph, and you're not going to be able to really have a lot of success guarding Steph one-on-one. Having the ability to double team using Kyle Anderson's intelligence and length and maybe the activity of a DeAnthony Melton guarding Steph at times or a Grayson Allen guarding Steph at times. Those are the type of things that work. Maybe even bringing up in, in different looks, Jaron Jackson Jr. to be the guy to do it, though you may That's be the risking guy. him to foul. Yeah. That's the, the guy. Link, what? Yeah. Yes. No, he was able to. I, he he has like this almost Bam out of bio type quality to him, where his he is so active in the paint, and he just has this uncanny ability to just like create deflections and just get the ball when when guys try to drive and stuff. And uh, like he he plays kind of low to the ground at times, and I think that's so interesting, and it could be such a force. And I was actually surprised they didn't have Jaron Jackson come up and hedge and double more than more than we saw. And he was sort of like laying back and just waiting for Steph to to drive to the basket. Uh, I think that's the guy defensively that if maybe it's Dylan Brooks, Anthony Melton, maybe it's John Morant guarding his position. Maybe it's Desmond Bain, like whoever that you have guarding Steph as the primary defender. But anytime Steph tries to shake loose of that guy with a screen, whether it be Draymond Green or Kevon Looney or whoever, if you have Jaron Jackson coming up at the level of the screen and just sort of hedging and showing a little bit, with his arms and his ability to create deflections and just be a little bit disruptive, that to me would be, if I'm Taylor Jenkins, that would be the route that I'm going in because that's exactly what the Lakers did to bother Steph every night. And you say bother Steph and and you look at the stat line you had and you're like, yeah, he seems really bothered. Well, he was. He had to work hard for every single one of those points, every single one of those shots that he got up. Like Dylan And Dylan Brooks gave him a hard time too on Sunday. So if you pair him and that sort of mindset with a guy like Jaron Jackson just doubling and, take, and, and forcing the ball out of his hands, um, I think it would be really dangerous for a Warriors team that, again, is going to be physically tired. It's going to be hard for them to deal with that. Yeah, and, and the Grizzlies have not necessarily been that heavy usage of a you know double-teaming approach, but I agree with you. I mean, look at Sunday. The one standout time that Jaron went up against Steph on the baseline, if you remember, well, we see he swiped him. He pickpocketed him. Jaron mm-hmm. stole the ball right underneath um, – uh, 
Steph's hands, and it's because of the smart use of his hands. So I agree with you. And Taylor Jenkins, it, that's something that's helped out our defense at time, not necessarily double teaming, but different looks from different bodies. So I agree. It certainly could be an X factor of how we throw different defensive looks. I do think at the very least there's going to be more of a variety of different looks that we'll throw at Steph. But one thing that I'll also ask is this, Wes, is that I think it's pretty certain that most people were expecting the Warriors to win as they should. But how significant is the difference between a win and loss in this game for the Warriors? You know, that's a that's a good question. I think what the Warriors wanted answered after James Wiseman went down, what they wanted answered this year was, all right, who can we trust in a playoff setting next year when Klay Thompson's back, when they're going to try to return to, you know, contending for a title and all that? Who... Who's going to be a role player next year? And what sort of holes do we need to fill this offseason to get to where we want to go? I, to, And talking with people in the organization, I feel like they've already sort of come to that conclusion. That Jordan Poole is a guy. That Juan Descano Anderson is a guy. And they're going to be coming off the bench as key parts for this team next year. And that you probably need to add probably like two more you know, rotation-level players to this group and then get clay Thompson back. And, you know, there's some other big picture questions. Like what do you do with Wiseman and his future and things like that, that we don't need to get into. That's for my podcast, but um, you know, I don't know that a playoff series that, that beating Memphis on Friday and advancing to a series against Utah and losing in five games or something. I don't know that that's going to help them answer that question. Right. I think they've already figured out what this group is going to be. So this is a team organizationally, that has sort of a, a all-in approach, right? Like Joe Lake up, light years ahead, all that fun stuff that we talk about with him. Like that's very much like a it's a it's a home run swing of an organization. They're not all that interested in going to the first round and getting swept. Like they'll take it, they'll take a first round series. They're not going to not make the playoffs if they could shoot, if they could help it, but they're not all that excited about it either. I don't think. Uh, Steph keeps talking about wanting the season to mean something, and it's a very vague term. I think that that stretch at the end of the year, what they did against the Lakers, uh, taking the defending champs to the final seconds uh, on their home court and and being in this, you know, weird postseason situation has sort of made the most of this season. I don't know that losing in five games to Utah makes any more of that season, if you know what I mean. So I don't I'm, I'm very interested to see what the energy level is on Friday night when they take the court at chase center against the Grizzlies, because you mentioned on Sunday, they were definitely the team that was more energized because they wanted so badly to get that game with the Lakers on Wednesday. That game is over now. How excited are they going to be about this game Friday night? How much do they really value advancing to the first round against the one seed jazz? Like that, those are questions that I still have about this team. And I guess we'll find out the answer. Yeah, and, and I think that that is an excellent way of putting it. It makes sense. It's got to mean something. And I can see with where obviously the Warriors are, who Steph is, I can see the Lakers making more sense, that being more of a game to be motivated for than the Grizzlies. But speaking of motivation, you know, I, I've said it on my podcast as well. This is a house money year for the Grizzlies. It's all about experience, development. Any, you know, with where we are on the competitive timeline, getting an early pick is great. Playoff experience is great. But this roster wants to make it. And I also think that we've gotten past the game where there would be a significant difference between a win and a loss. Us losing to a less talented team 
and to DeMar and Keldon Johnson, that's a lot harder pill, pill to swallow than losing an elimination game against Steph Curry and Draymond Green. Let's just be honest. And I know it probably yeah. isn't that simple, but it is in my opinion. So I do think we're going to play for it. I, you know, John Morant said yesterday he packed for three games when they're on this road trip. They badly want to make the playoffs for them. I want them to make the playoffs. But at the end of the day, this season has been a success. They made it to or past the point many expected them to. And I think at the end of the day, as long as they can end on a high note, especially if John Morant can have a good performance last night, I think win or lose, it's a great way to end the season for the Grizzlies. I, th- I think you're right. And <laughs> um, I, it kind of feels like both teams in a, in a, in a way are kind of playing with house money right now. And it, it's just going to come down Agreed. to who wants it more. Um, you know, I think the Grizzlies, they, despite having lost on Sunday, they, they, we might look at this in retrospect as them having the easier path, despite being the nine seed and not getting the eighth seed, because they would never, if they end up going to the playoffs, they would never have had to play the Lakers to get there. They would have had yeah. to play San Antonio and then a beaten down Warriors team, you know, for the second time in a week, you know, that might be, and that might end up when it's all said and done being the easier path than what the Warriors got as the eighth seed. That's a, that's a, that's a very fair point. One other thing that I'll ask you about, Wes, and, and I'm not wanting you to get into all the details because I know there's so many different ways you can go with James Wiseman, but obviously it being the Locked on Grizzlies podcast, where Wiseman is from, so many mm-hmm. still following him. Just overall, how is he doing the expectations for him as far as health-wise? Again, don't want to get into any summer speculation um, out of respect for you and your podcast, but just a, just an update on him and how he's doing and how he's coming along with his injury. Yeah, he's been around the team. Uh, throughout this whole process, uh, obviously it being a knee injury and, and him rehabbing that, he can't do any on-court work. And it's going to be a few months before he can. I mean, he's going to miss summer league. And that's going to be tough for Wiseman. I mean, because he didn't have summer league last year because there wasn't one. And uh, this is a guy who played, you know, barely 40 games as a rookie. And as people know, t- played only 69 minutes in college at Memphis. So he's very, very raw. He's not nearly as far as long as the Warriors had hoped he would be by the end of this year. And for all intents and purposes, he'll still be a rookie by the midway point of next season, right? Um, so his the, the Warriors are working very actively with him in trying to show him film and keep him engaged and all of these things. But there's only so much you could do to replace actual on-court work. Uh, and, and so it's it's probably the biggest question mark over the Warriors organization is what do they do with James Wiseman? How do they get him in position to succeed and be helpful to this team next year? That's a really tall task. I don't really know what the answer is. Um, but but as far as how he's doing, um, everybody will tell you that he's in good spirits and things like that. Um, but I think, you know, teams just always kind of say that kind of thing. Um, but from every indication, it, it, it's that they're, they remain committed to him, at least right now, um, and, and trying to get him in position where he can contribute next year. And I'll say this about Wiseman. It's not just because, you know, I'm, I'm my, 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 you know, um, allegiances when it comes to college doesn't lie with Memphis and all that different stuff. But you have to feel for the kid. Like, it, just scenario after scenario in Memphis, deck stacked against him unexpectedly because of the investigation and all that different stuff in the draft. I know, I'm sure this doesn't bother him that much. But, you know, the stuff about, well, should he be drafted that high, all this different stuff. And now this injury, a situation where there wasn't just a smooth fit. Yeah, you, you kind of get to the point where you want to cheer for him because there's still – such naturally gifted athlete and talent there to work with that you really hope it works out. So I certainly, in whatever works out for him, I'm certain many in the Warriors organization are cheering for him and hoping for the best for him. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the one thing that remains, people love James Wiseman. Like there's anybody who talks to him and you talk to them about him. Everybody loves the kid. Great character, really smart. They really want him to succeed. Uh, it's and and they feel bad. It's been a, it was a really <laughs> rocky uh, start to his career, but um, there there's a belief that he could bounce back. Well, Wes, I'll say this: I've heard high opinions of you from others since I had not had the chance to talk with you. But you're just as gifted as a writer from reading some of your work as you are someone to talk basketball with, obviously. And it's been a pleasure on my end getting to talk with you. Where can folks find your great work? Of course, Memphis. We're a Grizzlies town. We cheer for the Grizzlies, but we love basketball in general, especially when it comes to Steph and others. Just overall, where can people find your great work and your coverage, obviously, for the rest of the playoffs and going into the offseason? First of all, I don't do well with compliments, but I I appreciate that, Sean. I really do. Um, <laughs> way too kind. Uh, uh, MercuryNews.com, Locked On Warriors podcast. I host Locked On NBA on Tuesdays. If you're not already tuning into Locked On NBA every day, you should be, and because um, everybody does a great job with that. And uh, follow me on Twitter at WC Goldberg. That's where you can find all my stuff. He's a great asset to the Locked On family. Wonderful, wonderful basketball mind. Again, his name is Wes Goldberg. Wes, if you'll just stick with us for a second, it's been a pleasure. And thank you for taking the time to, you know, let's to do this crossover. Maybe we'll do it again here in the near future. Thanks for having me, man. All right. For Wes Goldberg, my name is Sean Coleman. You can follow Locked On Grizzlies podcast on Twitter at Locked On Grizz, myself at SATSSAC. Follow Wes and all of his great work as well at Locked On Warriors. For Wes Goldberg, my name is Sean Coleman. Thanks again for joining us here on this crossover edition of the Locked On Grizzlies and Locked On Warriors podcast. So I know, by the way, that I said that this is a crossover. I didn't even ask if you wanted to use this as a crossover on your channel. If you don't, no big deal. If you want for me to mess or, or send it to you, I can. It's completely up to you. I Forgive me if I was assuming that. I wasn't trying no, to. No. I just didn't know if you wanted to or not. So No worries. I, I have my podcast scheduled. I'm using, I was planning on using that locker room for tomorrow morning. But uh, of if course. you want to send this to me, um, yeah. if, if those numbers are like dragging, I'll just like put this up in the afternoon to juice things up. Of course, that's no problem at all. Man, it was a pleasure talking with you in, in media yeah, in whatever way, but it was a pleasure on my end. Mine too, man. Appreciate you having have me. A, yep, have a great one, Wes. You too, man.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.